0: On January 5, 2014, Peter Baker made his way to a drug manufacturing plant in Northern India. As the freezing air hit his face, he stared down the Tawansa drug facility. He had a job to do.
1: He walked quickly, keeping his head down. If the company knew he was coming, they might put on appearances, but Baker wanted to see how things were really run.
0: Since it was Sunday, Baker assumed that most of the employees wouldn't be there. This way, his team would have virtually free reign to check the data in the factory's labs.
1: But to his surprise, the plant was bustling with workers. And what they were doing made Baker's jaw drop.
0: The employees weren't doing their average 9-to-5 work. Instead, many were forging documents. There were notebooks filled with post-its outlining what needed to be altered before the FDA showed up.
1: These instructions included things like changing the dates on forms to make it look like the plant had been keeping up with the latest training and cleaning protocols. It was what Baker feared most, a concerted cover-up.
0: Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy.
1: And I'm Molly Brandenburg.
0: And neither of us are conspiracy theorists.
1: But we are open minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth.
0: But sometimes it's not.
1: You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify.
0: This is our second episode on the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, also known as the FDA. The agency is responsible for making sure that certain products on the American market are safe for consumers. But sometimes, they can fall short of that mission.
1: Last time, we explored the many medical frauds and food scandals that led to the founding of the FDA. History shows that when it comes to what we put in our bodies, the FDA is one of the few things standing between us and total anarchy.
0: This time, we'll look at how more recent events show a different side of the organization. We'll examine three conspiracy theories about its operations. First, That the FDA hides information about additives in foods. Second, that the FDA has covered up scientific misconduct. And finally, that the agency is funded by Big Pharma.
1: We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. The Food and Drug Administration was forged out of the dire need for regulation. Before the agency existed, companies more or less could do whatever they wanted. They could lie about what was in food, like passing off one kind of meat as an entirely different type. And they could even inject products with toxic
1: chemicals like formaldehyde. In 1906, all of that changed with the Pure Food and Drug Act, the first law of its kind to protect what Americans ate. And the FDA was tasked with enforcing it. Since then, the agency's authority has expanded. Today... They also approve ingredients and decide what amounts of certain substances are considered safe.
0: As the FDA puts it, their job is to protect public health. And over the past century, the FDA's policies and guidelines have saved millions
1: of lives. But the agency has also seen its fair share of mistakes. Americans have experienced a huge surge in serious health issues, and some believe that it's related to our food supply.
0: Which brings us to our first conspiracy theory. The FDA is hiding information about additives in food, particularly high fructose corn syrup. In 1958,
1: Congress passed the Food Additives Amendment, which made the FDA responsible for determining which ingredients were considered safe.
0: The approval process for ingredients didn't seem very scientific. Many made the cut simply because they'd been used in food for a long time. It didn't matter that these substances hadn't been tested for anything. And the FDA continued to accept ingredients in this manner, often without realizing the ramifications.
1: New ingredients entered the scene year after year, but the 1970s proved to be a historic turning point with the introduction of a sweetener that flipped American food production on its head, high fructose corn syrup.
0: High fructose corn syrup is made from corn starch. It's processed in a way that much of its glucose, sugar molecules naturally found in plants, are converted into fructose an even sweeter molecule. Fructose gets absorbed directly into the bloodstream and is metabolized in the liver. So if you consume too much fructose, your liver can't handle it and turns it into fat.
1: Because sugar also contains both glucose and fructose, food manufacturers claim that high fructose corn syrup was basically the same thing. But biologically, our bodies process these two ingredients very differently.
0: Still, food manufacturers love the sweetener. It was cheaper to produce than regular cane sugar. A lot cheaper. So by 1983, corn producers had petitioned the FDA to put high-fructose corn syrup on its safe ingredients list. They argued that it was similar enough to ingredients that were already approved, including natural sweeteners like honey.
1: And that, apparently, was enough for the FDA. They agreed, and it opened up the floodgates.
0: The sweetener quickly made its way into most highly processed foods in the U.S. It also became the new standard for sugary drinks, which, according to a 2016 CDC report, nearly a third of Americans consume each day.
1: Between 1970 and 2014, the average American went from consuming about a third of a pound of high-fructose corn syrup per year to 26.8 pounds, an increase of almost 9,000%. Today, the U.S. is the largest consumer of high-fructose corn syrup in the world.
0: But while most of us know that high-fructose corn syrup isn't exactly good for us we don't quite know just how bad it really is either. The medical community continues to debate the exact effects of high fructose corn syrup, which leaves us to sit with another, possibly bigger question, what the FDA knows about it.
1: Fortunately, one FDA employee stumbled upon a possible answer in 1999.
0: That year, Dr. Renée Joy Dufault took a job at the FDA. She was tasked with identifying toxic chemicals left behind in laboratories that were shutting down.
1: Dufault noticed that there seemed to be a lot of mercury in the plumbing of these chemical facilities. This made her wonder what the highly toxic substance was being used for. Exposure to it, even in small amounts, could cause neurological disorders.
0: So she queried several manufacturers and discovered that manufacturers were using it to make what are called chloralkali chemicals, which are used in the production of highly processed food.
1: They're found in the manufacturing of certain additives like food coloring, artificial flavoring, vegetable oils, and of course, America's favorite sweetener, high fructose corn syrup.
0: That meant people could be ingesting mercury.
1: When humans are exposed to heavy metals like mercury on a regular basis, they build up in the bloodstream. This is associated with an increased risk of diabetes, obesity, and heart disease, the number one cause of death in the world.
0: Because of this, the FDA regularly conducts studies of heavy metals
1: and pesticides in foods. According to Defoe, though, some of the mercury in highly processed foods was flying under their radar. Trace amounts of mercury might not sound that scary, but given the huge amount of highly processed foods so many Americans eat, it could add up quickly.
0: And that's why Dufault was deeply disturbed to find it in such a common ingredient as high fructose corn syrup. This led her to conduct more tests, compile her evidence, and present the findings to her supervisors at the FDA. Surely they would do something, It was their job to keep people safe, after all.
1: But instead, she alleges she was told to stop her research. Then, she said the FDA informed her that she wasn't allowed to publish her results, with no explanation as to why. A spokesperson for the FDA later told the publication Mother Jones that the reason for ceasing the investigation was they didn't see, quote, that there was any evidence of a risk.
0: Dufault was shocked, but gradually shock turned into worry. She was concerned that the FDA would never tell consumers to stop eating highly processed foods because these products were just too common in the American diet. And the only way Dufault could continue her research was if she left the FDA, which she did.
1: Dufault's experience points out the huge influence of the corn industry. The high fructose corn syrup market is huge. Globally, as of 2020, it's valued at nearly $8.9 billion. In the U.S. alone, between 1995 and 2019, the government gave out over $113 billion in corn subsidies.
0: A lot of money is at stake, but so might be people's lives. According to Dufault, if the FDA wanted it could require food manufacturers to test for the kind of mercury found in high-fructose corn syrup and other additives. The agency could also make them put warnings on their labels.
1: In recent years, scientists have investigated the health implications of high-fructose corn syrup, A 2010 study at Princeton University showed that lab rats gained significantly more weight when they were fed high-fructose corn syrup as opposed to the same calories of sugar.
0: And a 2019 study published in the journal Science found that high-fructose corn syrup contributes to cancer risk in mice independent of obesity.
1: This has led to some people fearing the FDA is hiding information about additives in food.
0: I guess that comes down to a technicality, though. The FDA insists on its website that there's no significant difference between high fructose corn syrup and regular sugar, despite studies that suggest otherwise. Dufaux's bosses also told her to stop researching the issue of whether there was mercury in high fructose corn syrup at the time, so it does seem like there are some questions the agency would rather leave unanswered.
1: Right. Considering DuFoe's findings, maybe the FDA needs to reevaluate the safety of high-fructose corn syrup when Americans are eating it in such massive quantities. Even if there are only trace amounts of mercury in each individual food, that could add up quickly. I think that at the very least, the agency could do more research. On the other hand, the FDA insists that the form of mercury that DuFoe detected is relatively harmless. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the absolute truth, I give this theory a 5.
0: I think it's pretty clear how people could believe that the corn industry and its billion-dollar profits could be influencing things here. Perhaps pulling back the curtain would reveal too much about just how bad certain ingredients are, which is why the FDA has chosen to remain pretty firm on the subject. For me, this theory gets a 6.
1: It's not just American manufacturers that the FDA has to contend with. The agency also regulates products made abroad for the U.S. market.
0: And that has led to some even stickier situations.
1: Coming up, a look at
2: generic drugs. I'm Sarah Turney, host of Disappearances, a Spotify original from Parcast, In 2020, I used social media to help bring justice to my sister Alyssa's nearly two decades-long disappearance. Now, I'm exploring the many reasons people disappear, and finding that the truth may be even harder to locate than the person. Who forced a famed explorer to lose his way? What did a missing Hollywood starlet leave behind? And how could the heiress to a Chicago candy fortune just vanish? Every Thursday on Disappearances, join me for a deeper look into history's most gripping missing persons cases. Tracking timelines, analyzing clues, and piecing together as many answers as possible to find the actual truth. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Disappearances. Listen free only on Spotify.
1: Now, back to the story.
0: The FDA is responsible for most foods and drugs sold in the United States. But a lot of those products aren't actually manufactured here.
1: Which makes the FDA's job more complicated. The institution enforces food and drug-related laws, but it's a U.S.-based entity trying to regulate drug producers abroad. Since the factories are outside of the purview of the US government and inspections occur less frequently, it's a lot harder to catch violations.
0: For instance, because the agency itself doesn't do the testing, it's up to manufacturers to provide that data. If they provide inaccurate test results, that can cause major problems.
1: Which brings us to our second conspiracy theory. The FDA has covered up scientific misconduct.
0: Back in the 1980s, generic drugs took off. These were versions of name brand pharmaceuticals that contained the same active ingredients. The difference was they were a lot easier on the
1: wallet. By the 1990s, Americans took more prescription drugs than ever, but thanks to a lack of government regulations on drug prices, costs rose sharply. That meant generics and their low price tags were here to stay.
0: To make these drugs even more affordable, manufacturers move their plants abroad. About 80% of active ingredients sold in the US are made in other countries.
1: To be clear, there isn't any inherent issue in producing these products overseas. However, it does create challenges for the FDA, whose job it is to inspect plants and ensure they're compliant with regulations. Surprisingly, There's one big difference between FDA inspections in the U.S. and FDA inspections in other countries. When the agency investigates plants at home, they show up unannounced. That way, manufacturers can't hide any misconduct.
0: But abroad, the agency often gives foreign manufacturers plenty
1: of advance notice. Or at least that was the process when Peter Baker was commissioned to inspect Indian manufacturing plants in 2012.
0: For Baker, a consumer safety officer for the FDA, the job seemed pretty straightforward. Indian drug companies had a reputation for treating visiting FDA agents well. Sometimes a little too well. Inspectors were reportedly put up in nice hotel suites and treated to the finer things, all on the company's tab. Agents say they enjoyed rounds of golf, massages, and even tours of the Taj Mahal.
1: Unlike some of his peers, Baker didn't feel comfortable doing things that way. He thought showing up when manufacturers knew he was coming wouldn't give him the full picture. So he decided to eschew the staged tours and even conduct inspections at random.
0: One of his stops was a corporation called Walkhart, which made 110 different drugs for the American market. He'd only been there for two days when he saw an employee sneaking out with a garbage bag. But it wasn't stuffed with trash. It was transparent, and Baker could see papers inside.
1: Upon further inspection, he found that the bag was full of documents, and they revealed something disturbing— The company was trying to cover up a defective sterilizing machine, which had contaminated a batch of insulin with metallic fragments.
0: Insulin is typically injected, so if these fragments entered a person's bloodstream, the results could be fatal, and Walkhart knew it. Still, the company had released the tainted insulin to the public anyway.
1: Baker told the FDA about the egregious misconduct he found, and the agency promptly responded. It banned Walkhart from selling pharmaceuticals to the U.S. The FDA seemed to be doing its job.
0: This was only the start of Baker's crackdown. Over the next five years, he inspected plants in India and China, always refusing guided tours and sometimes making surprise visits. What he found was fake data galore.
1: Companies are supposed to conduct the appropriate testing to prove their drugs meet quality standards. Altering drug data can have deadly consequences. But in some locations, Baker discovered secret laboratories. There, chemists tinkered with experiments until they artificially produced the results needed for FDA approval.
0: In others... Baker found fake labs designed to make it look like a company was conducting tests when in reality, they were doing nothing. They simply forged the required documents. Journalist Catherine Eban reports that in the span of a few years, Baker found fraud and deception at almost 80% of plants that he
2: inspected.
1: The FDA had to respond to this slew of evidence. In 2013, the agency appointed a new head to its India office. He decided to follow Baker's lead and make nearly all plant inspections unannounced.
0: The plan worked. Thanks to the surprise visits, the FDA flagged 60% more plants for violations and prohibited them from selling drugs to the U.S. The new policy forced drug manufacturers to either comply with safety regulations or risk losing hundreds of millions in profits.
1: Everything seemed to be going well. The FDA was protecting American consumers, just like its mandate called for. But then, only a year and a half into the new program, the FDA abruptly changed course. Without issuing a reason for the decision, the agency went back to announcing foreign inspections in advance. They later stated that they still conduct surprise inspections when they have reason to believe there is a safety issue.
0: What's worse, Eban found that the FDA backtracked on its sanctions against over 100 fraudulent plants, reallowing these drugs onto the American market.
1: And as it turns out, this wasn't just happening on foreign shores.
0: In 2015, Charles Seif, a professor of journalism at NYU, instructed his investigative reporting class to look into FDA inspection records and see what they could find. His students quickly got to work examining about 600 clinical trials submitted to the FDA. And what they found wasn't pretty.
1: The journalism class learned that some companies had submitted troves of fake data, from x-rays to retinal scans to even lab tests. In short, lots of fraud.
0: What's worse, the FDA knew all about it. The students learned that when the agency discovered these cases, officials didn't sound the alarms to the medical community. Instead, they insulated the companies from consequences. The company names and the specific drugs involved were redacted in all of the files.
1: As a result, no one else was aware that data from those clinical trials wasn't trustworthy. In fact, the companies were free to publish their research as if it were perfectly valid.
0: Seif and his students found that at least 78 reputable scientific articles were based on clinical trials that had been internally flagged by the FDA. That meant doctors were getting misinformation about drugs they were prescribing to their patients.
1: In one study for an anti-blood clotting drug, the FDA found that different testing sites had falsified data and even thrown out the records on how the drugs were administered to test subjects. That meant the effects of the drug couldn't be verified.
0: The FDA tried to address this issue by forming a committee of outside experts in 2009 but it seemed like it was just putting on a show of concern. According to internal memos, before the committee met, the FDA admitted that the trial had falsified data. And yet, when the agency presented the findings to the committee, all it said was that there were, quote, significant issues. In other words, they downplayed the seriousness.
1: The FDA was hiding the whole truth, even from the committee that it hired to vet it.
0: This raises the question as to why the FDA would cover up these frauds. When Seif confronted the agency about the issue, the director of FDA's Center for Drug Evaluation and Research responded that the public didn't need to be notified. She claimed that the agency didn't want to cause any misunderstanding.
1: But the real reason may have to do with pressure to keep medicines on the market, especially affordable ones. Unlike many European countries, the U.S. government doesn't regulate pharmaceutical prices, so prices for life-saving drugs are sky-high. Health insurance companies are always looking for cheaper drugs, and those supplies often come from abroad. While most of these pharmaceuticals are perfectly safe, there are some that slip through the cracks. It leaves an impossible conundrum, because without generic drugs, most Americans wouldn't be able to afford their prescriptions at all.
0: To many, it seems like some drug companies have been able to get away with just about anything. We know that the FDA has, at times, covered up falsified drug studies and made little effort to let consumers, or even doctors, know about this issue.
1: I think cover-up is a bit too strong here. It's more like the agency is trying to put a band-aid over a gaping wound. And a lot of that is due to American regulation policy. The FDA is stuck between denying Americans drugs that they need and trying to enforce conduct that would take many of those drugs off the market.
0: The reality is that drug sales in the U.S. are extremely lucrative. Think about how normal it is to see ads for prescription drugs on TV telling us to talk with your doctor. The U.S. is one of only two countries in the entire world that allows prescription drug ads.
1: Adding to that, studies have shown that TV ads directly contribute to an increase in prescription medication use. I think that high demand makes the FDA's job harder because they have to track more and more suppliers providing those drugs. Still, I find some of the cases we've discussed pretty alarming. So I give this theory a six out of 10.
0: I'm giving this theory a seven out of 10. The FDA's purpose is to protect consumers and it needs to do more. I understand the agency is operating in an environment that sometimes seems designed for failure, like how the U.S. doesn't regulate pharmaceutical prices, but they do have the platform to blow the whistle when things aren't safe.
1: I agree. Hiding bad data is problematic. But our next conspiracy theory posits that the FDA is in bed with the very companies whose drugs it approves.
0: Coming up, Big Pharma and the FDA. Now back to the story.
1: You might think that because the FDA is a government agency, it's paid for by taxpayers. But that's not the whole truth. And how exactly the FDA keeps its lights on isn't what you might expect.
0: Which brings us to our last conspiracy theory. The FDA is funded by Big Pharma.
1: The FDA approval process for drugs is long and complex, but we can boil it down. When a pharmaceutical company comes up with a new medicine, it runs the required clinical trials and submits an application to the FDA. The agency then convenes a panel of experts to meet with the company and review the data. If the results show that the drug is safe and effective, the panel votes to approve it.
0: The process used to be very slow. On average, it took over two years for an application to be reviewed. And some applications were stuck in limbo for up to 10, a decade.
1: This lengthy process meant that life-saving drugs sat idle in the bureaucratic process for years before they could reach consumers. But that all changed in the 1980s when the world experienced a major health crisis, the HIV-AIDS epidemic. Soon, tens of thousands of Americans were dying of the disease each year. It was imperative to get new experimental drugs on the market right away that might help mitigate the crisis
0: simultaneously the fda was dealing with another problem during this period president ronald reagan decided to cut federal spending which included slashing the budget of the fda the agency lost nine percent of its staff
1: so right when the country needed it the most the organization was short on money and resources something needed to be done to fix this budget gap. So, in 1992, Congress passed a bill called the Prescription Drug User Fee Act. It stated that every time a pharmaceutical company submitted a drug application for approval, they had to pay the FDA a fee. This seemed like a straightforward solution to the budget issue.
0: But it also meant the FDA was no longer just funded by taxpayer money. These fees became essential for the agency to stay in business, and that meant it was under pressure to speed up its approval process.
1: Before long, the consequences of the new law cut up with the agency. FDA employees began experiencing inappropriate pressure to approve drugs. They received personal phone calls from drug companies, orders to withhold data from approval panels, and commands from supervisors to change their vote on a drug from no to yes.
0: Today, the FDA still operates under the user fee system, and those fees are high. On average, the fee per application is about $2 million.
1: Because almost half of the FDA's total funding comes from this pool of money, the companies paying them have more influence in how the approval process runs. Plus, it doesn't help that every five years, the FDA and the drug industry have to negotiate what that fee is. If they can't come to an agreement, the FDA risks losing a huge chunk of its income.
0: Not only do companies have a say in the fee amount, But as part of the negotiation process, they can also determine how quickly the agency has to respond to their requests. They can even propose changes to the FDA's application process.
1: All that bullying produced results. By 2018, the time it took to get an application approved was down to 10 months. That's almost a third of the time from what it was in the 1980s.
0: Skeptics have suggested that this is because of a lack of oversight, but advancements in technology may also have sped up process times.
1: It's possible things are moving more quickly because bureaucrats are able to do their jobs more effectively than before.
0: But the FDA's rate of approval has increased too. Between 2005 and 2018, it jumped from accepting 38% of first-time submissions to 61%. And with more drugs come more problems. The warp speed approval process and pressure to approve means less due diligence. A whopping 27% of new medications end up getting extra warning labels once safety issues come to light or pulled from the market completely.
1: The FDA insists that user fees don't compromise the agency's commitment to scientific integrity. Yet... Since the fees were instituted in the 1990s, there's definitely more pressure to approve.
0: And that's not the only way drug companies purportedly slip
1: money into the FDA's pocket. In 2010, an FDA panel of medical researchers and physicians met to discuss the application of a new drug called Brilinta. The medicine was effective at preventing heart attacks and strokes, After hearing the evidence presented by the manufacturer, the panel voted 7-1 to to approve it.
0: Rolanta was a huge success, bringing its manufacturer millions of dollars in revenue. And before long, corporate representatives reached out to some of the FDA physicians who'd voted yes on the panel. They offered them speaking engagements and consulting jobs. One doctor got as much as $200,000 over a three-year period.
1: Journalists Charles Piller and Yu call this, quote, pay-later conflicts of interest. In essence, the drug companies don't buy off FDA employees in advance because doing so would raise obvious red flags. Instead, the companies wait to see who votes yes on their drug and then rewards them for it later.
0: There's a documented pattern of these kinds of payouts, of 107 FDA panelists investigated by Pillar & you, over 61% of them received payments from companies after they approved their drug. Some got a lot of money, reaching payouts higher than a million dollars.
1: And it's not even just about money. For some at the FDA, there's a longer game, lucrative job opportunities. That was the case for one of the most controversial drugs in American history, OxyContin.
0: In 1995, Purdue Pharma submitted an FDA application for a new opioid, marketed under the name OxyContin. The painkiller was commonly administered to people with terminal illnesses. Because they only had limited time to live, addiction wasn't a major concern.
1: But before long, Purdue Pharma began promoting the drug for more common chronic conditions, like back pain. Physicians had known that opioids were extremely habit-forming since as early as the 1950s. Over time, patients developed tolerance to the drug and need increasingly higher dosages in order to feel its effects.
0: Still, Purdue Pharma and other producers of opioids embarked on intense marketing campaigns to obscure this fact. They sent out spokespeople to convince doctors that they could prescribe opioids for all kinds of ailments, claiming that addictions were rare.
1: Between the 1990s and the 2000s, opioid prescriptions essentially doubled, increasing from 76 million to about 150 million. By 2002, the FDA took notice that the number of prescriptions was way beyond what it should have been.
0: So the agency convened a panel to decide if it should stop companies from marketing opioids for common pain conditions. But there was a problem. Eight of the ten panelists had financial ties to Purdue Pharma and other manufacturers. They all voted against limiting the uses for opioids.
1: In the following years, two of the medical officers who originally approved OxyContin took jobs at Purdue Pharma after leaving the FDA.
0: Meanwhile, other staff involved in opioid approvals also left to work for opioid manufacturers.
1: That vote had major ramifications. Over 25 years after the FDA approved OxyContin, opioid overdose is one of the leading causes of accidental death in the U.S. It's claimed half a million lives. The CDC calls it, quote, "...the worst drug overdose epidemic," in US history.
0: And people at the highest levels of government have blamed the FDA for its willingness to let opioids slide. In 2017, a presidential commission found that the crisis was caused in part by the FDA's lack of oversight. And in 2019, even a former FDA commissioner called out his own agency saying that it was wrong to promote opioids for chronic pain.
1: As far as this particular conspiracy theory goes, we have to address whether or not the FDA is in the pocket of pharmaceutical companies. It's true that the agency's funding comes from fees paid by drug manufacturers. But I don't think that automatically translates to conflict of interest. Like we said, the gap in funding has pressed the agency to solicit other forms of compensation in order to do its job.
0: Financial ties between individual panelists and drug companies, though, is another story. Pay-later conflicts of interest are very shady.
1: But the FDA is also caught in a complicated balancing act. According to journalist Fran Hawthorne, it needs to both quickly approve drugs so that people can have access to the care they need and make sure that those drugs are safe.
0: I think it's still important to ensure that the FDA has no financial incentives. The opioid epidemic is proof of that. I give this theory an 8 out of 10.
1: I think it's reasonable to make big pharma pay user fees. After all, it has the money. But I agree that companies shouldn't be able to influence how FDA panelists vote or how the agency runs its approval process. Overall... I give this theory a 6 out of 10.
0: The FDA certainly doesn't have a perfect track record. And over the past 40 years, it has allowed some pretty nefarious substances to slip through the
1: cracks. But the truth is, we still need regulation. Otherwise, we're back to where we were 200 years ago. We just need that regulation to actually work and for the agency to not have to contort itself to maintain funding.
0: We don't want to go back to the days of snake oils and fake cure-alls. And with untested products being touted on the internet, it's almost like we're back in the Wild West.
1: At the outset of the COVID pandemic, a company called My Doctor Suggests promoted a product called Colloidal Silver. It was nothing more than silver particles suspended in liquid and had no effect on any medical conditions. And yet, colloidal silver was touted as some sort of miracle cure.
0: That is, until the government was there to step in. In April 2020, the FDA supported the Justice Department in a court order against My Doctor Suggests for defrauding customers with colloidal silver, The agency criticized the firm and others like it for taking advantage of the crisis to prey on people's fears.
1: But colloidal silver was just one of many untested fake remedies being hawked online. Though snake oils may be something from the past, their ilk continue to be available. Thankfully, we have the FDA to act as a guardrail against those who are willing to put others' health at risk in the name of profit.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. For more information on the FDA, amongst the many sources we used, we found Bottle of Lies, the inside story of the generic drug boom by Catherine Eban, extremely helpful to our research.
1: We'll be back next time with a new episode.
0: Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story.
1: And the official story isn't always the truth.
0: Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Kirsten Liu, with writing assistance by Amber Hurley and Mackenzie Moore, fact-checking by Anya Barely, and research by Bradley Klein. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy.